Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things smart cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group's Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities. Welcome to another episode of the Smart City Podcast. Today we're broadcasting live from the ARC Forum here in Oregon, sunny Orlando, Florida. On this episode, we'll be examining industrial analytics with Uptake Technologies. I'm very proud today that our guests from Uptake include Andrew Swanier and Kane Grau. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks. For, how are Thank you? you? Great. How, how are you today? Doing wonderful. Just finished the presentation. Hey, that's that's a relief. An excellent one. <laughs> Gentlemen, let's get started with, with, with a simple foundational question. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you got started on your path to the world of industrial analytics? Yeah, you bet. Thanks. Um, I've been doing this a little bit over 25 years, um, about 10 years in automation and OT technology as an engineer in rotating equipment and process safety. I uh, then actually got recruited into enterprise software back in 07 and have never looked back. And every time I've kind of taken on new challenges, the gravity has always brought me back to energy and manufacturing and chemical oil and gas around the latest technologies. And over the last seven plus years, that's evolved into um, digital and um, all of the advanced technologies associated with it. So let me ask, for, the, for those of our audience members who might not be fully versed in industrial analytics, what is industrial analytics? Oh, so I, I think the simplest answer that, that I've seen lately is being able to solve problems and answer questions across the enterprise and being able to do that in a way um, that is ultimately facilitated with the technologies, um, some of them that we use in the consumer world. So let's then look at what challenges might there be, and it might, it might, it might even be in these subcomponents of, I'm thinking data, probably need a data repository, uh, maybe different sensors, but what are the challenges of you know, deploying an, uh, an industrial analytics system that gives you uh, the ability to solve those questions that you might have? Yeah, I think the advantage that that Uptake has is that we've actually been solving this problem across multiple verticals, and that's allowed us to come up and understand the pattern is really, it's not industrial analytics by itself, the cornerstone across every market is data and the uniqueness of data across all the verticals and and sub-verticals. And so at the end of the day, oftentimes as many of the uh, customers have shared, is even 
however long you know they've been at this journey and this process, data is still um, not only the biggest challenge, but now I think with with the last couple of days, you really see in, in post COVID the embrace of data as a cornerstone versus just a challenge. And so for each one of our verticals, we've had the advantage now of uncovering the patterns and finding the commonalities across um, really the asset intensive sectors. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really accurate. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to like a big motto that we preach is connecting data people and machines. And you know, that what we're trying to solve for data people and machines is irrelevant if we're displaying a windmill, tractor trailer, turbine, a pump. Um, the right side of the screen has to still display what is what is the activity of that specific asset. What are the insights that we can give to the company that is going to allow them to make a different decision? Um, you know, with uptake versus not having uptake. Um, and firmly believe that every machine's better if you have uptake um, because I think that. Um, the way we display the information and the way we can bring these organizations together across the enterprise, um, I think we do it better than anybody. So before we deploy your solution, you need that data set. So what are the challenges in um, acquiring that data? How do you go about that? You know, what, what are best practices in that, in that domain? So I think the, to kind of put it in layman's terms, each customer is their own cybersecurity challenge. And so, you know, as we're kind of all familiar and and everything kind of happening out and about in the world, if you just look at every customer, um, and while they follow a lot of, you know, common approaches and patterns, they all have different sensitivity around their data. And so this kind of data conundrum or data problem it really stems back to while there's a lot of layers of technology due to the way things have been built the last 25 years, it's ultimately a security protection and isolation problem around how they had managed, how they grew up um, and worked through the original analog to digital paradigm and now how they're working through what's now a traditional digital paradigm to kind of full-on digital that we see today. Andrew, that's that's interesting that you you led with cybersecurity, where where my where my mind was going was that I mean, one of the biggest challenges was siloing of different chunks of data within the organization. Um, do you find that similar? Um, uh, you know, end users in a, in a particular industry have similar uh, repositories of data, or are they diverging in the way they do things? No, they're actually more similar than everyone expects. And um, while there's nuance across, one of the reasons that we politely talk about silos is because there are different levels of cyber and stuff associated. And I think one of the biggest surprises, going back to the earlier point, is because we were able over the last two years to really take a step back and look at all the verticals, all their patterns as they had started to mature in industrial AI and analytics and, and those things, what we've actually seen is transactional data is transactional data, time series data is time series data. 
um, other I can keep going other data sets are very similar and then in the in the verticals they're in they chose technologies that made sense for those verticals during a certain time period and so there's a data commonality and then there's a vendor selection commonality from history and and it's not quite as complicated as I think everybody makes it. Okay. I think it's also forced us to reevaluate the landscape on behalf of the customer and who we connect to naturally. Uh, giving uh, an example of we we're totally fine with bringing insights into our application, but the end state insight going into a work order management system on behalf of the customer, so they're not living between two applications. The insight itself might be triggered by uptake, but the end, you know, work order ticket or the work order system that they may be living in much more than uptake, we're fine with natural connectivity into those applications. Hmm. Fascinating. So, um, as far as obstacles, when we talked about data, then you know, it, you know, what others exist? Is it integration? Is it um, simply the digital transformation process of having a human embrace this new business process, or the new, or simply the new business processes themselves I, being created? Yeah, I, I having spent the last six months pretty consistently on the road and interfacing across a lot of different customers but more recently I would say with our fleet and our transportation sector what I think I'm seeing that's just a really profound effect of not just our application but I think in the utilization of data is potentially new roles that are coming into the industry that we were not envisioning even a year ago and I'll give you a great example is a virtual technician so think of a fleet a major fleet operator where we said a signal was coming off of a specific truck, the driver would not react to it, the truck breaks down. A virtual technician today is proactively calling the driver saying, your brakes are going to fail within the next seven days. This is where you're going to be at that failure. You're gonna be 300 miles away from home. You'll be 300 miles away from the nearest uh, repair center. I have the bay lined up for you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Bring the truck in. That is where the world is moving to very quickly. I have recordings, literally a virtual technicians telling drivers this very specific scenario. And so what I get really excited by is our ability to influence new roles like that. And I'm using the transportation sector. That's going to happen. I, I believe that job is going to come to the forefront across all sectors um, where you're going to be able to proactively use data, proactively use tools and avoid downtime, avoid, you know, major safety issues. Um, and I, I really get excited by stuff that I, I see like that when our customers are using data in that manner. That's, that's fascinating. Uh, you know, for the sake of our audience, um, you know, while, while I heard the message loud and clear that data sets are um, becoming increasingly common and easily digestible by, by your and other applications, um, I know that Uptake has had uh, major successes in a, in a number of different verticals. Do you want to perhaps illustrate some of those verticals again and give us an application? We, we talked a little bit about transportation, but um, you know, yeah, let's talk I, some others. I think your uh, presentation yeah. an hour ago would be a great one. <laughs> yeah, I think it starts with the fact that arguably the uh, most progressive oil and gas super major that companies beyond oil and gas look to the super majors for guidance of how they should invest money 
Chevron is is basically moving, ingesting, storing, um, and doing it all in their own secure Microsoft Azure environment with Upton is all that data and that infrastructure is, uh, are leveraging their infrastructure with all that data is making that available and now argue in support of what Kane just outlined about virtual technicians is being able to have all of this available um, and the reason why there's such a, an interesting like stretch the market case is because we've now seen through COVID the, the tendency of an integrated operations environment that really rooted itself you know, I'd say in, in industry, the most common were organizations with upstream organizations like oil and gas and mining. What we've now seen is the convergence of these integrated operation centers now showing up in manufacturing, in large plants, not even across geographies. People are bringing this mindset and this approach that the world's leading basically asset-intensive companies have done. We're seeing it being brought to localized manufacturing, and it's really kind of becoming a little bit of a digital North Star because people can define and make tangible. Um, I'm going to put a integrated operations center in a city with a tech hub that means something to said company, tie it to the university. I've had the opportunity over the last you know, years prior to COVID of touring these things, they were kind of coming and now they've been accelerated in with, you know, post-COVID digital, all the technology finally kind of catching up and it's creating a profound effect because it's going to affect like how you end up with your toilet paper, your toothpaste and the gas in your car because of the way these organizations are taking these learnings and then, and then basically bringing them down market in their own companies. That, that is fascinating. I, I come from the, uh, from the transportation, the public transportation domain. Mm -hmm. And you know, as, as you undoubtedly know, there are, uh, you know, for um, interoperable, there's 20, uh, 20 interoperable applications, standardizing open protocol, standardized applications for, for uh, deployment on roads like traffic signals, Toll boxes, toll booths, weather stations, all of that, and uh, all of those are plug and play, and they go into an integrated traffic center. Uh, and over the last couple of decades, the last decade or so, we've seen a lot of dynamic message signs, where even the federal highway messaging signs are connected to the state and the county, and there's you know there's cross county collaboration, all of those kinds of things. So I'm guessing that. Your applications uh, also would allow collaboration between ecosystem partners, let's call it. Yeah, and I think actually, you know, one of the biggest breakthroughs that we, we talk about holistically in digital the cloud, if you just double click on that, the real, the real accelerator is data lakes have become really integration platforms. And one of the topics we've covered today in a couple with a couple customers is the fact that you're able to use production data through prototyping, put things back into the business, leveraging the actual data without impacting the actual operations of any company. Could be a vehicle, 
could be a facility, it, it doesn't matter. And so what we've seen is the companies that have really jumped out um, to invest in this, it could have been for all sorts of reasons, they've really kind of cracked the eggs on leveraging any of the core cloud companies' data lakes as integration environments to just reduce their overall cost and exponentially increase their speed. Sure, it's not surprising. I mean, across uh, all types of industries, industrial, commercial, even public infrastructure, um, just like in your phone, we're seeing you know, uh, an open API with a data set is creating applications that, frankly, we wouldn't have thought of. And it's, that, that only has uh, continued to, to grow. Um, what do you see for the future of of analytics platforms? I mean, you know, I have the process uh, expert next to me, I'll, uh, and I, I've been gravitating a little bit more to the transportation side. I would say the latest McKinsey report that I saw of you know, insights in general, predictive in general, being a hundred billion dollar industry by 2030, um, dominated by, by the way, predictive maintenance being almost, I mean, more than half of that of that hundred. Um, but all the connected vehicle insights, um, what we're seeing with, you know, data across the vehicles. Um, and I think the role that all these different types of organizations that are here at the event, uh, today and that are going to be incubated over the next two to three years that are going to power things like autonomy or zero emissions or um, all things ESG. I mean, I think those, and when Drew and I are out, I mean, I would say one and two interchangeably are always cybersecurity and sustainability uh, that are top of mind for almost any corporation we talk to. Um, across any one of the across any one of those sectors that we've also talked about. And so, what is the role that we're all playing here at ARC over the last couple of days, what is all the roles that we're going to be playing um, on behalf of those specific initiatives and getting into safety and cost cutting and everything else that's below that? Um, but what is what is the power of data and what does it do to affect um, th- those list of priorities? Uh, I don't know. That that's what I'm specifically seeing right now. I, I think you're spot on, and the way I would add to that is that's going to give more and more unlocked because we're going to be worried about platforms less. What you're going to see, which has been like our mission for the last two years, is it's all about our customers and our partners' platforms. And those partners could be governments, those partners could be state institutions, they can be, you know, in industry, you know, industry groups that are doing it. But I think what we're what we're really seeing now is Organizations are interested in monetizing your capabilities, and it's less about like we're seeing the age of the platform basically fade away. And we've got you know three major three major cloud vendors. We've got um, you know whether it's very large companies, very small companies, um, governments, institutions, globally that are kind of figuring out their space, maybe even in some cases we've, we've now hearing, you know, broader industry plays where multiple people subscribe into something, um, you know, clouds for X, Y, and Z. I, I think that that is the inevitable 
um, place that we're headed based on how we're seeing organizations spend their money you know, with us and guide us. I, I would even say, I think competitors are talking to one another. I think competitors like companies are talking about, can we build together on behalf of the customer and can we make these solutions more seamless? And the things where you think that there's overlap, the overlap might be much smaller than you actually think. Together, the you know the solutions, and, and just because you know what we do might be very niche to the organization, and the competitor might be doing other things, but in, in a joint way. And, and believe me, like this is happening real time. Um, well, clearly, there's a there's a dramatic need, and to continue on with the transportation uh, example, uh, you know, let's let's drill down into really um, a very granular level. If let's just say there's a a traffic accident at an intersection. Let's just for, for for those of us in the audience that might not be skilled in all of this and schooled in it, uh, as what I should have said. You know, we have the, a, a lot of things happen. Police, fire, EMS, all comes out. Now, if they're occupied at a non-minor accident, at a, at a minor accident, guess what? There's a reduced there's a reduced service to somebody else that may need them much more. Uh, perhaps the telemetry data from those connected vehicles tells you the turning radius of each individual car. And if you come too close to the curb because you're just an absent-minded driver, maybe your insurance rates should go up. What about the impact of what hospital you go to? And, they, and the, the cost of that, the cost of closing the road, the cost of you know, all, all of these things, about the simple impact to commerce of your Pepsi truck is delayed going to the 7-Eleven. Um, there's, we could go on for a long time with just a plethora of all of those somewhat small, you know, impacts. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, in the analytics of, well, if we, if we do have autonomous vehicles, um, they will very likely take uh, the exact same path down the road. And what about the grooves that they're worn in the pavement? Or, or things like that, or um, it's, autonomous electric vehicles may be so inexpensive, there may be so many on the road that there may be incredible gridlock in many places because they might be circling your block just looking for a passenger. Well, some analytics could solve that and maybe only deploy the right amount and deploy some others that might have enhanced revenue somewhere else. Um, it's, a, it's really a fascinating time for, for all of this. I, 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 I love all that. I think everything you just said is that's, um, I, I, I don't think that's here tomorrow. I think that's here in the next five to 10 years. I heard a great analogy at a, at a conference that said nobody ever thought that, you know, everybody thought that you'd have a horse in the barn and you're attached to your house forever. Well, then that got replaced by a car. And then I think in 10 years, you know, do you have a car in the garage or is the car pulling up to your house and taking you from point A to point B? You know, who knows? But I think the advantages are happening faster than we think. I do think autonomy will be, in specifically in transportation, trucking will be point-to-point homes sooner than later. Um, and, you know, and I, yeah, I, but all those challenges and all those data problems are, are fascinating to think that we can solve. So, some of them are, are nearer term. You know, the, the traffic signal does have a standardized API that some data analytics folks are, are starting to embrace. The one that I believe is most exciting is uh, the connected vehicle API, 
with um, you know 150 objects that get broadcast only 100 meters, but um, 10 times a second, very low latency. Uh, that chipset's already in your phone, which is not turned in, turned on yet. And some Fords have it, some Cadillacs. Um, <clears throat> that gives you speed, direction, and location. Gives you windshield wiper status, headlight status, road friction. Uh, if your wheel is spinning, and you assume it's slippery. Um, all of those are starting to become available. And the studies I've read are with a with a um, 7% participation rate, which is not so far down the road, well, it starts, you start being able to um, intuit you know, that data across everybody else. So that um, is, doesn't need to wait for the autonomous vehicle or autonomous truck or anything. Uh, some of it's already out there. Um, and heck, a lot, of, a lot of public agencies already put out Bluetooth Mac address counters I just look for people's MAC address from their phone as they're going down the road, and they match it to the same address when you're a mile further down that road. Well, and I think what you're, you're sorry to allude to is, like, what are the, so the technology's there. There's a set of problems that are rising to the surface. I think from a, just a city level, we're looking at, at safety, right? As a as a as an easy as an easy one, where we look at the the cities that are transforming the fastest right now, they're investing in safety, and so being able to, it, it's not so much wait until to your point, a perfect device is available. It's leveraging multiple devices, leveraging the investments that they're making in law enforcement, in in protection to be able to you know essentially protect the public, and then I think there is a supply chain backlog that we're going to see expedite ultimately autonomous trucks on the road the hubs came that you mentioned because at the end of the day there's just a massive supply chain backlog right now and so to be able to then use analytics now to be able to say not when the autonomous is there or how do we need to start optimizing so that we can alleviate the stress and the constraints in the supply chain problem. I, th- I think we're going to see this, especially now um, with what's ahead of us the back end of the year. We're going we're gonna to see that, you know, basically. Yeah, I, I, I agree. We're, we're, we're nearing the end of our, of our time together. But I want to go back to Kane's uh, comment about sustainability. Because I don't think it's, it's not just transportation. We focused a, a, a lot on that today. But sustainability really has three pillars. Preserving or enhancing the natural environment, preserving and or enhancing human quality of life, and then doing the two of those in an economically sensible, reasonable manner. Well, meaning you've got to pay for it. Um, That human quality of life piece is the safer crosswalk, it's the job that you may or may not have, it's the fiber downtown, it's uh, a vibrant, Finding uh, you know economic activity, so you could have a job, and all of this really—I mean, all of those three pillars get touched by this. Uh, the environment—you, you, if you route your transportation a little bit better, you're not going to have all those trucks sitting at that red light during during rush hour. You can send them at night or or whatever. So um, 
all of this really impacts sustainability and all, all three pillars of, of those. Um, so it's uh, it's just a fascinating time to be involved in this. Yeah, absolutely. So, so gentlemen, we are we are nearing, as I said, the, the end of our time together. Do you have any last minute comments for our for our audience? I just to say, just want to really uh, thank the ARC organization. Um, it's just been a delight to get to see everyone again, familiar faces um, from, from the last ten years of, of coming out here, minus the last two, and. Um, I just the energy is is completely off the charts. That's 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 great. Uh, before we go, if uh, any of our audience members would like to contact you, can you share some of your contact information? Uh, you bet. Um, uh, Andrew Swinney uh, at, at uptake.com. So Andrew and then the easiest way is uh, cell phone. And then why give it out? 225-229-5251. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. And of course, the website is uptake.com. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Reach out to us. Yeah. All right. And Kane, you're not so bold? Uh, no, it's uh, K-A-Y-N-E <laughs> dot G-R-A-U at Uptake. Just don't confuse you with Kanye and you'll, uh, you'll get through. Perfect. <laughs> Very good, gentlemen. This this has been a been a fun uh, fun session we've had here. Uh, thank you for all to all our listeners again. We hope to see you again on another episode of the Smart City Podcast. Broadcasting from Boston, Massachusetts, the Smart Cities Podcast is the only podcast dedicated to all things smart cities. The podcast is the creation of ARC Advisory Group's Smart City Practice. ARC advises leading companies, municipalities, and governments on technology trends and market dynamics that affect their business and quality of life in their cities. To engage further, please like and share our podcast or reach out directly on Twitter at Smart City Viewpoints or on our website at www.arcweb.com backslash industries backslash smart dash cities. Thank you.